beautiful, Carrie. Mm. In the silence, that is off of Carrie's new CD. Would you have today? Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Mm, in the silence, in the silence. Mm. Welcome, welcome. If it's your first time here, I want to especially welcome you. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. We honor all paths to God. And uh, we do have some welcome packages in the doors when you come in there on the glass table. There's an envelope. Take it home with you. There's a CD in there about our basic beliefs, some literature and whatnot to learn a little bit more about us. And stay afterwards and have coffee and cookies with us. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. This beautiful season of light. Uh, we had a candlelight service on Friday evening here, and we lit the candles for uh, seven various faith traditions. So we, we kept them up here today just to remind us that we are all one, that we're connected in this, this beautiful thing, this beautiful planet, this, this beautiful thing called life. So we are moving right along. All year long, we have been doing 100 years of science of mind. It's the theme that came out of our home office in Golden, Colorado, and we've been following along this year with about 200 of our centers are, are doing this theme. And so we have this week and we have next week. That's it. And uh, today, uh, or December's... Um, topic is happiness and fulfillment. So we've been talking about happiness and fulfillment all month, and today we're talking about the silence, the silence. It was nice of Carrie to write that song for us, thank you. Very nice, worked out perfectly. Uh, the silence. Rumi says, close the door of words that the window of your heart may open to see what cannot be seen Turn your eyes inward and listen in silence. Mother Teresa wrote, We need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flower, grass grows in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. The silence. You know, I'm going to suggest that we meet God in the silence. That's where we'll find the divine. Today's talk uh, comes from the Living the Science of Mind uh, essay called, What Do We Mean by the Silence? And uh, we've been using the Living the Science of Mind book all year long, and we're at the very, very, very end of the book. Living, what do we mean by the silence? Ernest Holmes stresses in it, he says it, when he talks about going into the silence, he's not talking about going unconscious. He's not talking about falling asleep. He's not talking about no activity. In fact, he says we are not trying to be less ourselves, but more ourselves. He refers to Jesus who said, enter the closet and close the door. Now, he says Jesus wasn't talking about a literal closet. He's not suggesting that we go into a, a little room and close the door, but that we enter the closet into the silence. You know, we call it uh, the secret place of the Most High, the Holy of Holies, the Tabernacle of the Soul. All of these are terms for entering that place, entering that place within, 
of, that, of the place that we call the silence, the Chinese sage says, and I always liked this because it challenges my thinking a little bit, all things are possible to the one who can perfectly practice in action. Right? Yeah. Can we just be? Can we just be? You know, human beings, not human doings. Right? Be still and know I am God. You know, if we analyze these these all these statements, we find that they really are instructions on how to discover the divine. All of those. How do we find God? You know, and we're not talking about a God outside of us. We're not talking about some God up in the heavens or, or some God that's external to us. We're talking to that God that resides within us. Within us. You know, this is why in Science of Mind we have such emphasis on meditation. Because it's in meditation that we're able to practice being in that silence. We're able to practice being in that quiet place where we can hear, where we can shut out that outer noise, you know, of, of the world. The, uh, what was it? The nonstop thinking radio station, right? We can turn that off, right? Or if we can't turn it off, we can just observe it. And we let it just kind of move through our mind. And we say, isn't that interesting? right? And we just kind of watch our thoughts like clouds move through. And the more and more that we practice, the more and more we're able to be in what Wayne Dyer calls the gap. That place for just a moment, you touch the divine and you feel it and you know it. And you know you're in the absolute place of the silence. You know, we can be open channels as we move through our day. I mean, we can, if we are perfectly practiced, we can stay open and receptive to God as we're moving through our day. And, and I challenge us to do that, you know, but most of us forget. Most of us forget. We get caught up in the daily activities that we're involved in, and we forget to recognize the divine in each and every individual that we meet, to see God as we're walking down the street, to see God in the flowers and the trees. You know, I love the saying that says, it's not that I'm a slow learner, it's that I'm a fast forgetter. You know, and that's true for me, right? Uh, you know, to remember, to remember that I am God expressing, that God and I are one through my daily walk. Rumi, there is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. Rumi has some wonderful quotes on the silence. Dr. Ken Gordon, in this week's video, Dr. Ken posts a video each week of our talk, and then I post it on our Facebook page. If you want to see what he says, you can go on and listen to it. It's a little two, three-minute talk on, on the talk title. And he points out this part of our Science of Mind textbook that I just think is beautiful, and, and I am going to read it. Jesus spent much of his time communing with his own soul, for it is through our inner thought that we contact God. To this remarkable man, out of the silence of his own soul, came a direct revelation of his sonship, his oneness with God. Back of the conflict of ideas, back of the din of external life and action, back, back in the innermost recesses of uplifted thought and silent contemplation, there is a voice ever proclaiming, this is my beloved child. Seldom does this voice penetrate the outer world of human experience. Seldom does anyone allow it to perfectly express through him. We must learn to listen for this voice. Call it conscious, intuition, or what we will. It is there. It's Ernest Holmes, our founder. 
Now, how beautiful is that? You know, how beautiful is that to have that example of Jesus the man? You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a little bit as this is uh, the weekend, you know, that we celebrate or coming into these days that we celebrate that birth of the Christ consciousness, you know. And what I like to do, and those of you that are here know, I like to find stories. I like to find stories to illustrate what it is we're talking about each week, you know. And I sat this week and I tried and I found many, many, many stories of spiritual transformation. Stories of God showing up in people's lives in different ways, of people becoming more fully who they were, how they were more fully divine. I found so many stories that I really couldn't choose. There were so many, but I'm going to tell you just a couple of them. There was one of a mother and a, a daughter. Her daughter's 15 years old, and uh, grandma passed, you know, the, the mother's mother and the, and the grandmother of the daughter who was 15 and and it was the holiday season and it was their first holiday season without grandma Mima they called her and uh they went to a relative's for Thanksgiving, and then Christmas came around, and you know they were trying to stay busy. They were trying to occupy themselves with stuff to avoid feeling that loss that they felt. And uh, th her husband decided that, why don't we go to New York? And they thought, okay, New York's a great place to go for the holidays. We've got the tree in Rockefeller Center. We've got the plays. We've got all these things going on. And one night, they returned to the hotel room, and uh, they had gotten one room with a big, giant, king-size bed, and Dad was asleep, and Mom crawled in the middle, and their daughter slept, laid on the other end. And, and she said to her mom as she turned her back to go to sleep, Mom, would you tickle, massage me the way that Mima did? And, and the woman says, you know, her mother was the best at, you know, that kind of tickly massage that you get on your back. I know my grandma used to do it with her long nails, and you'd get goose pimples, you know, and it was kind of fun. And she said her mother was really the master at it, and she had never really learned the art. But she said she would do that for her daughter. And as she turned to massage her daughter's shoulders, she said there was a shift in the room. There was a glow. The lights were out, but there was a glow. And there was an energy that happened. And she said it was as her hand was taken over by someone else as she massaged her daughter's back. And she said she did it longer than she ever did it. That was another thing that Mima was famous for, doing it long enough to make it be fun, right? And then at the end, she patted her twice on the shoulder. And she said the room went back to the way it was. And her daughter... She could hear her daughter through sniffles say, Mom, Mima was here, wasn't she? And her mom said, yeah, I think so. And she says, you know how I know? Because it felt just like her. And she always patted you two times on the shoulder when she was done. Right? The mother never knew that, you know. God expressing, God showing up in a way. You think those two were changed? I think those two were changed for the better, right, by that experience. There was another story of a woman who was schizophrenic. She had run most of her life, as all of us do, go out and about. And in her early 20s, she started having experiences of what the doctors diagnosed as schizophrenia. And it lasted for about 20 years. She would have an episode, and it, she would be put in an institution, and she would be given drugs, and they would try to figure it out. And then she would get out, and she'd be okay for a couple years, and then she'd have another episode. And one of the things that she wrote that I thought was so interesting, that was she, when she was in these episodes, she said she was lost in beauty. 
everywhere she saw. The flowers were so bright, the trees were so green. She said it was so gorgeous, and she wanted to tell the people, that, the psychiatrists and the therapists, but she couldn't. She couldn't tell them what she was experiencing, why she was in these episodes. And uh, about 20 years, having experienced that, she finally met a doctor who was able to diagnose her. And she had what I had never heard before, unipolar. So not bipolar, but unipolar. And he was able to give her the proper medication, and she was able to be healed from having these episodes. And she went on to become a therapist and a counselor and to write about her experience. But in it, she believes she experienced God, right? So we never know when we see people that to us might look like they're out of their mind. They may be truly in their right mind. You know, they may be truly in their right mind. Um, there was one other that I came across. There were so many. One about a mother whose um, son had died. Her son had died in a terrible car accident. And she was driving home one day, and she um, heard a voice. You know, and that's kind of... We know people that have heard the voice. We don't get that too often, but it's sort of fun when it does happen. She heard the voice, and it said to go to the tree, to go to the tree where her son had crashed his car. And she hadn't even gone down that road since the day she was called by the paramedics to go there, by the day she was called by the police. She took a whole other route home from work. She never went down that road anymore. And she said, I'm not going. She argued with the voice. I'm not going. And the voice said again, go to the tree. And so finally she did, she decided to make the turn and go to the tree. And when she got there, she came out, she got out of her car and she walked to the tree. And she saw that there was some people had left some memorial things for her son, even though bags of them had been brought to her house a few weeks before. It was very new to her, this passing of her son. She said she would walk in her house and she could barely make it through the day. And when she walked in her house, she crumbled to the ground in the fetal position and cried. And that's all she could do. So going to this tree, she did that, and she went to the tree, and, and she saw that people had carved things, his name, and, and, and we love you, and we miss you. And then a truck pulled out, and two of his best friends came out. And she said, what are you doing here? They said, we don't really know. We just had this urge to come to the tree. And they came to the tree, and they talked, and they shared stories and fun, and they laughed about all the really good memories they had of her son, you know? And as she went away from there and she went home, she was changed. She was changed. She heard her son say to her, Mom, remember me in the joy, not in the pain. Right? So, so many stories of people being touched by God, having a spiritual experience and having a spiritual awakening, having something that happens to them that transforms them. For many of us, it's what we call the educational variety, right? It's that spiritual experience that happens over time. We learn and we change and we grow and we get an insight through meditation, perhaps, and we continue to grow. Some of us have that overwhelming God consciousness that happens in an instance, like uh, Eckhart Tolle, you know, or... or, or um, Neil Donald Walsh, you know, I'm thinking if I'm talking to God and he starts channeling through me, I'm having a spiritual experience, right? Gets my attention. I'm realizing that there's more going on here than what I think. So many different ways in which we can connect with the divine. You know, in uh, today's essay, Ernest says, as the external Jesus gave way to the divine, the human took on the Christ spirit and became the voice of God to humanity. 
No, so as the, as the external Jesus gave way to the, to the divine. No, the human Jesus, as each one of us gives way to the divine, as each one of us embraces more and more that quality of God as we come to understand that God and I are one. God and I are one. You know, there are many uh, metaphysical interpretations of the story of Jesus. You know, and one of the first things that I want to say about that is that um, Christ is not the last name of Jesus, right? It's not Jesus Christ, right? It's a title meaning anointed. So Jesus the Christ. It's referring to a level of consciousness, a level of consciousness, the Christ consciousness, and perhaps the baby represents ourself in all our innocence and vulnerability. The image of a baby being born in the lowliest of settings, you know, in the stable, represents that we are all one. There's no rich or poor, weak or strong. We're just all equal. And during the annual rebirth is what we really do celebrate on Christmas. We really, especially religious scientists do anyway, metaphysicians celebrate the rebirth, the rebirth of the Christ consciousness in us. Jesus himself told us, ye are gods, but our understanding of this is very tenuous and difficult for us to believe. So the idea must be nurtured and suckled to bring it to maturity. Mary, the mother of Jesus, represents the feminine, the emotional, feeling side of our nature. While Joseph the carpenter is the masculine, pragmatic, thinking side. The two together are the yin and the yang, the balance. If we perceive the in as ourselves, our mind, it brings awareness to the phrase that there's no room at the in. When has there been no room in your mind for yet another thought? Because it's so full of nonstop radio, nonstop thinking, no room at the end. We are fearful of allowing the even smallest seed that we are indeed that spark of the divine being reborn. As we have been socialized to acknowledge our separation and deny our godliness. But even in denial of our true selves, we have the stable with the manger, which represents our heart, to hold and keep safe our vulnerability. Although we must step outside of our mind, the in, and abandon our cluttered thoughts to get a calm, safe, open place that acknowledges our connection to all. The light in the Christmas story, the star is a symbol of guidance and hope and of the potential of wishes and dreams. Remember, when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. So that's a little bit of the metaphysical interpretation. And, and now I'd like you to uh, join me in a call and response for this Christmas season, for this holiday season. So I've put it up on the uh, PowerPoint so you can read it. Friday night we were on a little tiny piece of paper. We couldn't see so good. So I learned my lesson and it's up on the PowerPoint. So I will say a thing and then we'll all respond. This is the Christmas responsive reading. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And all together, as one with the divine, I realize there is nothing to fear. 
I am open to receive my abundant blessings of expanding good and great joy. I see the star that shines so bright calling me to follow. Like the wise ones before who followed the light, I am led by the light. Breathing in pure light, I trust the divine order, freeing my mind and emotions to trust the light of truth. I say yes to where it calls, finding my perfect path illuminated. Too many of this world say they have no room at the end of their consciousness for the Christ light to be born in them. I always have room for the birth of the brighter light. I am a luminous candle. The one source with its everlasting penumbrum transforms obscurity into clarity, revealing the diversity in the unity. I am born of the one eternal light. I am spirit's self-fulfilling prophecy of truth. I am the glory of love revealed. Those who see me see spirit, which birthed me into expression. This child is a luminous emanation of peace, a shimmering effulgence of God. I celebrate that I am this divine child of light, a bringer of peace and glory of love revealed. There were a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill toward all. I allow the ethereal light dazzle in me for all to see. May the peace of God abide with everyone throughout the world and goodwill be felt by all nations. Alleluia, alleluia. Mm, may the light shine on you and through you, always, in all ways. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. Blessings. Blessings.